0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly. It. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I've gone out. I tell them I'm not like the rest but. Of- Hi all, welcome back to the show. We are in for a little little whiplash this week. Last week I said, "Listen, working on yourself it's exhausting." And that's because sometimes it is when I'm in a weird headspace. This week, we are talking about habits and routines because we have the queen of habits and routines on the show today, Shelby Sacco. You guys know her as the Sad to Savage girl, TikTok star. She's just so cool. And we got to like hang out and spend an afternoon together. She's so down to earth and just the most Fun, like smart girl ever. I loved her, and you guys are gonna love this episode if you need that extra little like pep in your step, which is what I needed last week, clearly, then this is the episode for you. I'm a multifaceted woman. What can I say? Get you a girl who can do it all, you know? I do obviously love routines and habits and all of that stuff. Like I love self-development. I'm really into all of that. And this episode, I think you guys are going to love. Shelby is teaching us how to like actually set habits and routines and goals, if you will, that will stick. She's going through a whole thing. I mean, she's amazing. You guys are going to love it. We also recorded for her podcast that will be out in the next couple of months. So stay tuned for that episode. We talk a lot. So, without further ado, I'm going to welcome Shelby onto the show. But as always, you guys can watch us on YouTube, leave a nice rating, review, subscribe to the show, follow us on Instagram, all the things. Love you guys so much. And let's welcome Shelby on to the show. Guys, we have Shelby on the podcast. Hey. We also have Coconut on the podcast because she is recovering from her surgery still. And apparently it needs to be sitting on my lap in order to take a nap. So welcome to the podcast, Coconut. If you guys didn't know, she's my seven pound Morky. So yes, cute. she is named after the American Girl dog, dog, Coconut. And unfortunately, everyone thinks that I just have like a white small dog named Coco. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. <laughs> you have a white small dog and then a white big Massive. dog. Yeah, it looks like... That one just like grew. Yeah, literally, literally. And when he was a puppy, he was the size of her. It's bizarre. He's You're the biggest so thing ever. Cute. His paw is bigger than her head. Like, it's really something else. Anyways, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. I'm so excited to be here. We just recorded for her podcast, which is Sad of Savage. So you guys need to go listen to that as well. This is going to be a great show because my audience, like one thing about them is they love a good habit. They love a good routine. And we both are fans of Emile. I love him. I love him so you much. You said he reminds you of your dad. He reminds oh me of my dad too. Really? And also, so does Adam Sandler for some reason. Okay, I love that. That's such a good crossover. That makes so much sense why we're similar to both be raised by like Ed Milet type dads. Yeah, I was thinking that. I forgot to say that last time. That makes so much sense. My dad's like Ed Milet. And also my dad's really like emotional. And Ed Milet is emotional. And so he reminds me of that. But like they're very similar. Like when I listen to Ed Milet, it's like calming because it, it's home. like my dad. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to be talking... I've had about so many things. Do you want to give a little backstory to your Sad Savage? Journey. I was going to say career journey. I've been using, you know, when you're like using words that don't make sense in anything just for yeah. fun all weekend. And like, I just come up from Coachella and I have like no brain cells <laughs> at all. So if I sound like an idiot, just know like it was supposed to be a joke like five days ago. And now it's turned into like, I'm actually just losing brain cells. So anyways. Every time I say a saying, I realize it's the wrong saying. Every after time. I like, post it. That's why I'm like, I just make things up, you know? I like that. But my name's Shelby Sacco and I basically went on a journey going from sad to savage. It became my brand because I organically said I went from sad to freaking savage on TikTok and then my entire career online took off. But in 2020 I hit my lowest point, which I call my rock bottom moment, where I was struggling really across the board in every single area of my life. I was living in my parents' basement. I had no well I was always living in their basement. I was a basement child, but I had no idea what I wanted that to do. The thing. Oh, from nine to like 24, 23. But I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was gaining a lot of weight. I'd struggled with disordered eating for like eight years and it was going, it was, I was really, really struggling. I didn't fit into my clothes. I hated myself for lack of better words. I was so mean to myself. I just felt across, I was in a bad, really bad relationship, unhealthy little relationship. And I just felt like across the board, every area of my life was just so low which I'd never experienced that or felt that before. I've always been so social. I've always been so happy. It really was kind of like a shock. I didn't even know what, like I didn't, my siblings had anxiety and struggled with anxiety and depression and I never understood it. I was almost one of those people that was like mean about it. Like I'd be like, why can't we just do that? Like, why are you anxious? Like I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this completely new life for this long kind of time period that felt like it was just dragging out. And I felt like it was gonna be my life. I started getting really, dark thoughts and realized that my siblings could be experiencing those same thoughts or worse because they both, two of my siblings, I'm one of six kids, were struggling with their mental health. And so that was kind of like my wake-up call into wanting to learn how to change my life so that I could then teach them how to change their life. And from there, I decided to read a book. And I I love that you're a big reader. Huge reader. I I love writing, but I hadn't read since like a required reading in college. Mm -hmm. And so I think I just went on Amazon and for some reason, I chose the book, The Power of Habits. And I like think back to it all the time. And I'm like, why did that happen? Like this one small choice, I can connect everything so beautiful and great in my life back to, but why I, I, it was just meant to be. And so I read this book and I was like, whatever, I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust it because someone did all the research and it's, it looks, it's a great book. I guess I'll just trust it. Like it, it has to be better or bigger than my self doubts. And so from there, I started just waking up earlier and working out and I got obsessed, like obsessed with the habits, obsessed with routines because I saw the results. And then fast forwarding to now, I think it's three years later. Oh my gosh. I have transformed every single area of my life across the board, but it didn't take three years to do. I will say that. It took like six months of like figuring it out. And then all of a sudden it was like, everything skyrocketed, every area of my life, my confidence, my happiness. Now I'm at a point where my career is everything, every door has opened because I learned that habits truly do. You can, you can literally pick who you want to be based around strategically picking your habits. So true. I love that. So someone's listening and they are at their rock bottom and they want like the six month or however long it takes them like journey that you've had. What is the first thing you would tell them to do? The first thing that I would say is to pick one or two things that you want to focus on that are not huge, like small things that are realistic and that you can keep sustainable within your everyday life. I think everyone wants to wants to change their life, wants to be unstuck, and it's that aspect of like you see other people's lives and you want to copy it. So you you turn around, you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, I need to work out five times a week. I need to wake up early. I need to do this, this, this. I need to all these things, and then you set yourself up for failure because no one can realistically adopt an entire new life overnight. And so I think that's where people go wrong because they get frustrated and think that they can't achieve that or can't do those things because they didn't do it on the first try or because they didn't do it when they had like 100 expectations for themselves. So I would say to start with one to two small things that you want to start adding into your life. So for example, if you wanted to wake up earlier or you wanted to start working out and say you wake up, like when I started, I would wake up at like 8.55 to nine and I worked from home. So my call would be at like 9 a.m. I literally, you know, when you're on like, A Teams call or a Zoom call. And like, if you don't hang up, you're just still there. And it's, we would record our company calls and I would just literally still be on there for like an hour because I'd fall back asleep. And I'm like, what the? I'm like, oh my God, that's so bad. And so I was like, I need to like wake up. That was the first habit, waking up a little bit earlier. And so I woke up just a little bit earlier and then I would start going on a walk in that time because I hadn't worked out and I wanted to, but I knew I wasn't comfortable going in a gym. I knew I couldn't just like all of a sudden work out five days a week. My body, Zero to hundred. Yeah, it couldn't do that. And so I was really realistic. And I think that's why that approach, that new way of looking at habits and actually changing my life, why it was so successful for me because I wasn't setting this unrealistic expectation. So say you want to wake up earlier and I think people or at least what I've seen from my audience at first is they'll be like, oh, you're in the 5 a.m. club because I'll wake up at 5.20 a.m. every day. And they're like, oh, I want to do that. And they'll try to go from like 9 a.m. to like 6 a.m. or 9 a.m. to 5 a.m. And your body like can't do that. And and you experience so many things that are so overwhelming that if you take a step back and go, oh, well, I'll just wake up 15 to 30 minutes earlier and you teach your body that and you don't overwhelm it, you'll get a little bit sleepier, but it's not a three hour gap. Where like today, I'm waking up so early to go on an airplane. It was actually the same time I normally wake up. What I'm trying to say is like if you wake up super early for a flight and you're like dying the whole day, Mm -hmm. that's what it feels like. But if it's just 15 to 30 minutes earlier, it's so much easier. And that's how you can make it sustainable and then slowly build down. So my advice would be starting with one to two small, small things and not setting this insane expectation for an overnight change. I know for me with routines, well, the first thing is that I was thinking of is I think we all set ourselves up for failure when we want to go from 0 to 100. Yeah. creating new habits or new routines. Like, you can't be someone who's never had a morning routine or never just never, like, had consistency and then all of a sudden expect to be, like, a 5 a.m. club person or, like, what is it, the miracle morning routine. I feel like it's really scary if you go from, like, 0 to 100 because you're either going to burn yourself out or it's just not going to be good for you. You're setting yourself up for failure. And you further disassociate or not identify with that person yes and then you actually hate it whereas I think it's way better when you're slowly incorporating things into a morning routine because then over time you end up loving it like the feeling of it is like addicting and then you're gonna want more so then you're eventually gonna get to the routine that like is your ideal routine that you wanted with things that you know work for you but you're actually going to like it. And so that's going to make you, even though I'm not someone who's like leaning on emotions, I actually think it's like discipline over motivation, but I do think it makes it a lot better when setting routines. And it's also, that's like the first step. So it's like setting yourself up for success. I love, I love that. So I teach a six week class and in it, I talk about how my morning routine has like 10 steps. I have a little day before my workday starts like a three hour morning routine. And that's like. Kind of insane. Like when people make TikToks. Like my lab like, how he has three days in one. I love that. I love yep. that. I always, I'm always like, okay, it's just a new day. It's 12 o'clock. It's a new day. Yep. But when I tell my class, I'm like, that, like comparing, being like, oh, I want a morning routine. and looking at me and being like, oh, I want to do that. That is the exact 0 to 100 because this was like a three-year development where if you start small and you say, oh, I want to do these three things in my morning routine and you get it down, you realize that you're not forcing yourself. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do and something you look forward to. And then it's easier to then go, okay, I want to wake up just a little bit earlier to add in this. And you like it. It's like, it's more of who you are than who you're forcing yourself to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I know I have talked about this on the podcast many times but a huge part of growing a relationship with yourself, becoming more independent, just becoming a more empowered version of yourself is doing things that you need from yourself, right? So for me, that is therapy. It is so easy for us to focus on everyone else in our lives and just give and give and give, and then completely ignore ourselves and give ourselves nothing, right? Like I hit a really, really low place a couple of years ago And therapy is what was able to help me pull myself out of that. I learned the right like coping mechanisms. I learned boundaries. And honestly, most importantly, I learned how to give myself like what I need from myself. Like there's no guidebook to life. We don't have all the answers. We don't know how to deal with things, especially as we're growing up because like we've really probably never experienced a lot of these things, right? It's just really easy to get caught up in basically what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. So I love therapy. I cannot recommend it enough. It has helped me grow my relationship with myself more. I am a way more empowered version of myself. I have learned so much about myself. I understand myself better, and by all of those things, I'm able to be better in every aspect of my life, so better to myself and better for all the people around me. I am such a huge fan of therapy and more specifically i'm an even bigger fan of BetterHelp. it's what i'm constantly recommending to y'all and to the people in my own life that come to talk to me about therapy i'm the friend that everyone asks about it because i obviously talk about it all the time so if you were thinking of starting therapy give BetterHelp a try it is entirely online it's designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Kenzie today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp.com slash Kenzie. I'm Sierra Bravo, and I'm the narrator of a brand new, first of its kind sitcom podcast called Popcorn for Dinner. This show has everything a sitcom should. Relatable problems, wacky characters, and even a will they, won't they. It's comfort listening at its finest. And there's even a laugh track. But don't worry, you get used to it. Popcorn for Dinner, a brand new sitcom available wherever you get your podcasts. When you're talking about like, okay, you become the person that you want to be through habits, which is like fully, completely true. And I talk, we also talked on your episode about like being a big thinker. I think the more confidence you build over time with these, the more you're able to think big for your life. And you're, it's like, you're expanding your vision for your life and like the and seeing, things that you want because you have that confidence over time and you know that you can do it. And you see more opportunities. Yes, absolutely. And more positive perspectives based on that confidence. I think habits literally are like the key to everything. Like yeah, the key absolutely. to having anything that you want in your life across the board, and just figuring out what habits it it is that you want to create or what ones that you want to change to specifically get you there. I also like that you said you believe in discipline over motivation. I literally hate the word motivation. I think Me it's too. I think it's so fake. I think it's a I think it's an excuse without people realizing it. It's an excuse because I didn't realize that it was an excuse. Yeah. But. What I like to talk about too within discipline is the aspect of willpower. Have you ever looked into willpower, like the studies Not behind really. it? I don't think so. So every single day when you wake up, you reset your willpower. So if you picture like a cup filled with water, that's what you get at the beginning of the day. And by the end of the day, you've completely depleted that cup. So you no longer have willpower. And that's why typically people have bad habits at night, like eating late at night or late at nights when they reach out to their ex-boyfriend or they don't follow through and do the laundry like they said they were going to do because you actually depleted all your willpower and so what's so cool in the relation to habits opposed to throwing out motivation is that when you form a habit like my 10 step morning routine none of that depletes any of my willpower because those are my habits those are so easy for me to complete because it's as natural as like me waking up and brushing my teeth Mm -hmm. it's the same level and so when you create habits strategically what you want that's no longer taking from your willpower. So then you still have that reserve throughout the day for other things that come up. And on that note of willpower too, one thing that I love to teach in relation to it is that when we want to change our lives, we leave it a lot to the end of the day. Like, oh, we'll work out after work. We'll do the the house cleaning after work, all these things. And so if you think about the depletion of willpower, so many things happen during the day that could be like, oh, your boss calls, you wants to do this. Or you, for me, it was always like, I had to go pick up my brother or all these little things that you don't expect. And that actually, or like one day my friend was going through a breakup and I was like, oh my, like all my willpower was drained. And so when you leave things that you want to do to the end of the day, you're almost setting yourself up sometimes for failure based on the aspect that you can't predict your willpower level. And that's why I love doing things in the morning because that's when you wake up and like, that's where you you have the most willpower for like going on a walk or or writing or reading or things like that. And to each its own though, because some things work better for other people. Like some people really love working out after work or really love this. But I think if there's anything that you want to accomplish in your life that you currently don't have time for, that you currently have things come up and take that time away from, creating that time in the morning is strategically a really, really great way to approach it. That makes so much sense. I've never thought about it like that. It's crazy. I'm such a morning person. I'm such a morning workout person. I can't do a night workout because then I'm thinking all day about how I can get out of it and like how I can't do that or... Or like friends want to go out to dinner. Exactly. Or you have something else that's more important. Exactly. But that is such a good point. I love that. I want to talk about self-talk. You talk a lot about how you were just not very nice to yourself. How did you change that in your life? So... Everyone's heard of like writing affirmations, right? When I first heard about them, I was like, "Mm," I was like, those sounds so, I was mean. I was like, those sounds so stupid. I always say that it sounded like hocus pocus. Like I'm like, that's not gonna be for me. But then, and that was actually one of the habits, one of the last main habits that I focused on where I started with like all the external things started with like working out and eating habits and things like that. And then I got to that portion where I was like, hmm, I'm really plummeting down here. And so I decided I would try affirmations, writing affirmations and I couldn't do it. I was like, this is so weird. So I pretended like I was talking to someone else. Like I was talking about my sisters, but just saying I am like, I'm so smart. I'm so kind. And over, I just wrote them every single day. After like three weeks, I was like, still bullshit. Like still not, still not it. After another like two months, I was like, wait, I kind of like myself. Like I would just write things, qualities that I wanted. And then, but I was very intentional about the qualities that I wanted. I saw this in the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the author said, like, pretend like you're at a funeral and a coworker, a friend, a family member, and an acquaintance all say something about you. What do you want them to say? And that helped me really hone in on like, oh, I want them to say that I was so nice. I want them to say that I was so smart. So then I would write those qualities, even if I didn't feel like I, even felt like they were like the furthest thing from me. And it wasn't all at once, but over time I started to be like, I'm like recognizing in my life, like I believe it. And the thing is, is, that if you tell your brain, you are smart, you are kind, you are so strong, you're, I'm so proud, I love you. You believe those thoughts, you identify with those thoughts, you look for opportunities in your life to prove those thoughts right. And so I remember one day, I started in like December of 2020 and then in April of 2021, I remember I woke up one day and I was like, I love everything about myself. Like I love myself, I genuinely do. And from there, Another thing that really helped me was then looking into my current habit loops around self-talk. And when I had built these habits of negative self-talk or things that I would just say without even being conscious or aware of. And so I recognized like anytime that I would look in the mirror, I would say the same horrible things in the mirror. I would say like, oh, my nose is crooked, my teeth are crooked, I need this, I need this. Like All these things. And it was like, I would tell myself I needed an Invisalign teen. And what was so crazy about that is that I started having that thought in high school. And the reason Invisalign teen, I'm like, that's so crazy. That thought has been on repeat in my head for how are eight years. And I never quite like, I've just been saying it to myself over and over. And so then I started creating very specific habit loops around moments and times that I would be cruel to myself along with the affirmations. So when I would look in the mirror, the cue for the habit loop, oh, in a habit loop, there's a cue, a routine and a reward. And it follows the cycle over and over until you form a habit. When you want to change a habit, you change the routine. And it's really helpful to recognize what the cue is. So my cue for negative self-talk would be when I looked in the mirror and then my routine would then be saying, oh, I have this, 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 I need to change this about myself, just shaming myself. And the reward, which really doesn't seem like a reward, was that I felt like by shaming myself and, and pointing out all my flaws or things that I thought were flaws, that I would then do something different. I would make a change. I would start working out. I would start doing all these things if I was mean enough to myself. And that was my habit loop. So I started looking for those in my life and change and I'd start changing the routine. So when I would talk or when I would look in the mirror, I started then intentionally saying like, I love my body. I'm so beautiful. Like I love what I look like. I love all the things that I did. To-. I would just be really nice to myself. And now after practicing that and it it was not natural at all. It wasn't like I would just be like, it was like kind of forced at first. Like I'd force myself to say those things. Now I'll look in the mirror and it's like, I just love myself. Like I never, I don't say anything bad about myself. I don't think anything bad about myself ever because I really do think of the way that I started affirmations and the way that I hand picked or I looked for those moments that I did it so that I could actively change those habit loops. Another time that I did it that was crazy is after looking in the mirror when I would get in the shower and I'd be naked. And what I started doing was I created a new habit loop of no matter what, anytime that I'm in the shower. So the cue's the shower routine would be I literally would just say I love you I love you I love you like I love myself so much I love my body like over and over and over and so when I'm showering that's all I think about now. I'm like I love myself like so fun and then the other habit loop that was really apparent to me that I wonder I would feel like this one would be fairly universal is I would lay in bed at night and scroll and just see everyone else's lives and see people with like uh, like the Victoria's Secret models on Instagram type vibe or people with all these these things that I wanted, this life that I felt like was so out of reach and I would compare myself to them and it was the same thing every single night, that comparison. And so before bed, what I started doing was I started not going on my phone and I started talking to myself as if like I was having a sleepover with my sister or, and that's how I started at first, which I think is really, it's nice because it rubs off in every way now, but I would say like, I love you, like you had a great day, like, and I'd focus on that, giving myself like positive thoughts before bed and changing that habit loop. And now what's so cool is I didn't, I didn't intentionally plan this, But whenever I do have a sleepover or whenever I'm with my boyfriend, it's like that way that I talk to myself, I'm then talking to them. I'm like, you did so many things today. Like, how's work? Like, you're so smart. Like, you're so good at your job. And it's so cool because I feel like that small habit that I have with my boyfriend now, it's, it like really does strengthen our relationship because it's like an intentional time that even if we're busy during the day or like we don't talk or like we're just tired and going to bed, it's that intentional time of like, I'm so invested. I think the world, like just showering them with love that I love how that habit plays now into other areas. It's interesting because there's a lot of like parallels between affirmations and like positive reinforcement, which is like how you train a dog or literally, people use it relationally. And it really is so similar. But you think like, oh, if I shame myself into it, like nothing, I don't think from my experience in life, I don't think anything positive has ever come out of me acting out of shame or fear. It all has to come from like, a healthier place or at least I've maybe gotten to a healthier place and been able to switch it but I just think like you don't actually like shame yourself into something and then it like works out long term you know? So or it actually even like works out at all right? So it's interesting because it's like the nicer you are to yourself I feel like It again goes, everything is like, I feel like today is going back to like the relationship with yourself. But the nicer you are to yourself, like the more changes that you will make because you do love yourself and you do want to give yourself the best and you want to show up for yourself. Yeah. Have you heard of the book Daring Greatly by Bernie Brown? Yes, yes, love. I love that book and I love how it talks about shame. And there, so I'll look up Habit Loops for everything and things that don't apply to me because I feel like it applies to a lot of people and I want to be able to help. But things like people struggling with drug addiction or addictions or gambling addiction or drinking addictions and things like that. And one of the biggest things is that shame is so hurtful in that journey or of that 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 change or or seeking growth from it. And the reason why is because when people say things like, oh, if you smoke one to a smoker, if you say like, oh, you smoke cigarettes, you're gonna die. You're gonna give yourself cancer, you're gonna it because it's so so crazy it actually makes it worse so like if I were to say that to myself it would make the addiction the thing worse because then I would just further I'd be like those things aren't realistic they're not approaching right now I'm not going to stop do it it just is not correct in the brain the way that the brain processes that information which I think is really rooted in with shame the same way where if you shame yourself enough you think you're going to do it and it's the opposite it's pushing you the other way that also makes so much sense It's crazy. The biggest habit I actually think that changed my life would probably be self-love. And I think it's crazy because I didn't value it at all until I was already in a place where I was like, oh, my life's getting so much better. But I think that everything comes back to the way that you think about yourself, your life. It impacts your perspective. Like you can, I feel like I've been getting like, very much in like, not La La Land, but my sister's very much into like, we're in different timelines, we're in different, all that. And I've been getting really into it because I'm like, Oh my gosh, like you can choose what world you literally live in. Like your perspective, once you learn that you can become aware of your perspective and change it, you can literally handpick anything that you want in your life. The way you see life changes, the way that you see opportunities changes. Everything, like you can create a whole new life for yourself based off of that perspective and switching it into choosing a positive perspective. I tell myself in my affirmations every morning I'm actively choosing a positive perspective. And I feel like that really, really engraves it too. Sometimes I feel like some like weird hippie because again yeah, it goes yeah you like, know. I'm like I'm like like ah oh, sometimes I don't want to say things because I'm like I don't want someone to think I'm crazy. But no, like, but I think those are the things that you should say. Right? You know. But it goes back to like being a big thinker. Yeah. It's like I really do genuinely, and this does like I've been like this most of my life, but it's because I had a dad who instilled it into me. I really do genuinely believe that I can do anything. Like anything. There's so many things and. Also, I think it helps when like, you've already achieved some things that you have wanted to. So it's like, the more I've done, the more I'm like, oh, that was my goal. Like now it can just be bigger and bigger. What's interesting is that I was always such a routine, disciplined person, but that's because I was trying to keep my anxiety in control and that is what has helped me the most. Well, I mean like so have meds and therapy, but routines have really helped me a ton with dealing with anxiety. And what was interesting is that I always was like, it's weird because I feel like I had this confidence. And then I didn't realize why until my let like said all that. And I'm like, okay, like this makes so much sense. But from doing that in a way. And that wasn't from a… When I was doing it, I was so young. I wasn't even really actively thinking. It was like my dad being like, this is what's going to help your anxiety. And so I was like, oh, I'm helping myself. You know, it wasn't yeah. like I was doing it. I was I was too young to like hate myself yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like from a good place. I got very lucky. And then over time, I was like, this is where like the confidence has come from. But I had to work on my relationship with myself in the past couple of years. And I found that I am very hard on myself. Like I'm an Enneagram 3. I expect a lot of myself. So on the one hand, it's like I believe I can do anything. On the other hand, if I'm not being intentional enough, I will find myself being really hard on myself or comparing myself to other people or comparing myself to myself or whatever it is in a way that's not helpful. But it's interesting though because I would not have ever told you that all those things were connected. Until I got older and started like consuming content like this because I didn't realize it so in the same way It's like your relationship with yourself. Like it is the basis and people will say that but you don't realize how much it actually Really does control and affect every single other aspect of your life. So Something that you said advice that I have for anyone that struggles with this is We really are so similar, but I I expect so much of myself. I have yes. This is what I wanted to say. I have insane expectations I'm very hard on myself And like we mentioned earlier, there's a time and a place and something that I started doing too in my nighttime routine when I do self-love in the mirror is I will just talk about my day, like, but I will only do it from a positive perspective. And I'll say like, you did so many things today. Like, I'm really proud of you. Like you did so good and I'll say, I know you wanted to accomplish this. Like if I'm having a harder day, I'm like, but that's okay. Like you have more opportunities tomorrow. Like you did so many other things. And I reflect on all of those other moments so that I'm not so zoomed in on the goal or so hard on myself. I'm like, oh, look at all these other things that I did. And I feel like that makes me feel a lot better. Like it's like mm-hmm. kind of like the calm to the storm, but something else that you said too, with the anxiety and, ha- and, and all the routines and habits, it's so interesting because with anxiety or people who struggle with anxiety, And I had a really bad phase where my anxiety would be so bad, I'd be like breaking down with panic attacks. And so what I learned is that there's habits that, just like your habits and routines, that actually can minimize or delete anxiety. That's what I like to say. So for example, I can't work if my room or my office is a mess, like I'll lose my mind. I'll I'll literally procrastinate everything that I have to do until that's clean, because I have so much anxiety around it that I learned in my nighttime routine, after I do self-love, I'll clean up my bathroom and then I'll go clean up my office. And so I know that I'm not gonna have anxiety the next day because my office is clean. So there are little, little things strategically that you can place in. And when I teach anxiety habit loops in my class, one thing I like to say is to start writing down in your notes app or in a journal, anytime that you're feeling anxious, anytime that you have anxiety, and instead of shaming yourself about it, acting like you're talking to like, like a five-year-old kid where, who you wouldn't be mean to. You and be like, why are you feeling this way? You'd be like, oh, what's going on? Like what happened? And so then you can actually create space in your brain to pick up on the patterns of your anxiety so that you can understand why you're feeling that way. And from there, once you have a list and you can like kind of pinpoint and be like, oh, you can zoom back and be like, here are things that I can do that are actually gonna help my anxiety opposed to people being like, oh, don't be anxious or you're gonna have to get over it. It's like, no, there are things that once you find out why it's happening, you can go back and find those habit loops that are triggering it. And it's it's actually really cool because I feel like it relates in my head a lot to like body image and things like that. But it's it's usually not what you think it is. It's something else that's causing it. And we're so zoomed in that when we pull out and have a different perspective, then we can actually start making little changes on the side that create big results when it comes to things like that, like anxiety. And for me with anxiety, like over the years, like my house always has to be clean. Like even there were packages on my front thing when you walked in and I'm like, I, it stresses me out. Like, everything has to be clean. Like, I've always known— Because I've known that about myself. Because I don't want to get into a worse anxious spiral. And, like, I'm not using anxiety. Like, I have clinical anxiety. Like, this isn't just like, oh, I'm anxious. Like, But it's like, there are certain things that I was lucky to be taught as a kid. Because I had a dad who also has anxiety. So it was— Exactly things like that were the entire reason why— I was able to like feel better or to not always get to the place where it didn't work every single time, but it did for the most, it it does for the most part, honestly. I love that perspective too, that it doesn't work every single time, but there are things that you can still do. Yeah. And your day to day. And anyone should do that. If like certain things don't make you feel good, you should not do that. Like you should have something else in place. You know what I mean? And I do think that's an act of self-love. Doing things for yourself, showing up for yourself, choosing yourself. Another small way, I know we were talking, I can't remember if it was this episode or mine, but... You were saying that like committing to yourself and showing up for yourself and trusting yourself. Like it's so important and that grows confidence. But one thing that I was thinking about is there's small ways to build up to that, small little habits that you can implement. Because a lot of the times we we break that trust by saying, Oh, I'm gonna go work out and then we don't, or oh, I'm gonna do this and we just don't do it. And so we we further identify with not doing what we said we're gonna do, not committing to our choices. And so I struggled with that. And what I learned is that it's the little, little things you need to show up for yourself in. Like if you say you're going to do the dishes after you eat, that is huge. Like that's starting to teach yourself to commit to it. And the stupidest thing triggered it for me where I was like, I had hot sauce on the countertop. And I was like, I'll wipe it up later. And then I was like, I'm not going to wipe it up later. I'm like, I should just do it right now because I never, I never did. And that realization was like everywhere. Like all of a sudden I'm not putting the toothpaste cap on my toothpaste every time I do it. Like, And I'm like picking up and I'm like changing all those little things. And that gradual like consistent choice that I was able to do that was realistic and I could make it sustainable it wasn't like this huge change it was just something I was becoming more aware of I feel like that played into actually committing myself in so many other ways where then it's like I'm doing laundry oh I'm cleaning my house on this day oh I'm doing this it like grew a lot bigger because I learned how to actually like what were the little moments that mattered and how to grow and get up to that point which I think is interesting I really think your life changes when you start focusing on the small things that are actually sustainable that can actually be who you become or who you gradually grow into. We are all in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from Jenny Kane. Y'all, I am obsessed with Jenny Kane. I love every single thing that they carry. It makes me feel like I'm living my dream of living in an Nancy Myers movie. It's also stuff that will last like pretty much forever. I'm all about like investing in an outfit that will actually last. And that is why I'm choosing Jenny Kane. I love their sweaters. I am obsessed with their sweaters. But I also really love, on the website I was just looking cause you know, doing a little bit of shopping. Um, I was looking at their spring edit and their dresses are amazing. Their sandals are so cute. Everything is so stunning. Like think minimalist meets luxury. It's classic, it's comfortable. It's California inspired clothes they have the cotton or cashmere knit sweater that you're just obsessed with. They also have like the flowy summer dresses that you literally never want to take off. I am obsessed. And also great gift for Mother's Day, just saying. So when it comes to investing in an outfit that will last, I will always choose Jenny Kane. For a limited time, our listeners get 15% off their entire order. Go to jennykane.com and use code I LOVE YOU to get 15% off. That is Jenny Kane, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. I'm obsessed with Jenny Kane. If it were up to me, the whole world would, we would be living in like a Jenny Kane universe. You know what I mean? I love this stuff. I have a sweater. I'm wearing around the house nonstop right now. Obviously, I'm in Texas, so it's a little bit warm out. I'm not really wearing it outside, but I am wearing it every single day inside. It's so cozy. It's amazing. It's like a dream. And no matter the season, the dresses are the it item and you will get compliments. The Riviera slip dress is the definition of luxury. The cove dress is also amazing. It's so effortless to style. Whether alone or pairing it with a lightweight sweater, they are guaranteed to be worn on repeat. Find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code I you at checkout that is 15% off your first order j e n n i k a y n e.com promo code i love you the brand go-to for all season staples treat yourself because you deserve it also this discount code is a limited time only jenny kane doesn't have a ton of sales so again jennykane.com use code i love you at checkout for 15% off your first order one thing about me is that I am the planner. In my day-to-day, everyday life, my group chat that we, you know, we talk in every single day, I am always the one making the plans, making it all happen. I'm not the mom of the group, but I'm more like, what is that? Like the pocket planner? Is that what like moms had growing up? where it was like a, a separate device that had like a little planner in it? I don't know. I am that person, okay? I live through my Google calendar and I tell everyone where to be, where to show up, all those things, right? So I'm constantly... Trying to think outside the box for something different that we haven't done, that's different than our usual, if you will. And so I love Top Golf. Okay, Top Golf is amazing, and what's even more amazing is Half Price Tuesday at Top Golf. It's golf. It's not golf. It is Top Golf. So they have a bunch of stuff that makes them golf clubs, balls, tees, turf, even a ball picker upper cart thing. We also have a whole bunch of stuff that's not golf: loud music, giant targets, and their giant fairway giant TVs, and handcrafted food and beverage menu. They even have an entire day each week that is dedicated to more play for less pay. They do this thing on Tuesday where all gameplay is half price, giving players more reason to come play around. I grew up going to Top Golf. It is the most fun thing Literally ever, I love the food. I love the drink. And listen, like I am not Tiger Woods by any means. I'm not. I would even call myself an amateur. Like I'm not even at that point, you know. And I still have so much fun. And it's not overwhelming. It's not scary. I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, golf. Like it's really not. It's super chill. It's fun for everyone. It's great to go with friends. It's great to go with family. Good for birthdays. Good for like happy hours to work, especially on half price Tuesday. It is just so much fun. The food and beverage is. So good. I've talked about this many times. I highly recommend Half Price Tuesday. It's a really great way to kind of break up the monotony of the week. They are all about play, but even Topgolf has some rules. So half price Tuesday applies to gameplay only. It isn't offered at every venue and it can't be doubled up with other offers or discounts. It is already half price after all. Like we don't need anything else, right? Full details can be found at topgolf.com/slash Tuesday. It's golf, it's not golf, it's top golf. Pro tip, download the app and book ahead of time to come play a round on half price Tuesday or any other day. It is so much fun you guys seriously have to go. I thought of something else too and I think this was from your episode, but it was something about like once you get to the Savage base and just even more on the topic of like building a good relationship with yourself, something that I answered like friends, like my life is so different with like the relationships that I have now because I have prioritized them and I've like actually invested into them. And you're in your hosting era. Yeah, my hosting era, my house housewife era. But actually, ironically, something that has really changed my relationship with myself and is it made me, I feel like a more whole person is having hobbies and one of them is hosting. But like love reading that. and doing all these small things. Like I like cooking, I, I like going to cooking classes. I like, like there's, I mean, I love working out if that counts as a hobby. Like Pilates, like I found what I love to do and I can do it alone. Like I genuinely could spend like 95% of my time alone and I would be able to like be like occupied and have things to do outside of work. Like I just, I know what I like to do, but having hobbies that I wasn't all, I mean, I base this is the other issues is that like every hobby I get, I end up monetizing. But, like, I love doing them. Business girly. I'm such a I love boy, that, you know? But sometimes I'm like, okay, like, I really do need, like… I say that and then, like, I've ended up doing it again. But it's not always a negative thing. Like, I don't feel like I'm, like, working when I… But I do it for fun. Not just, like, always yeah, like content or whatever. But I know it seems weird and it seems like something that wouldn't really connect with all of this. But for me, hobbies have been a really, really beneficial thing because I'm not just like sitting around and scrolling. And maybe that's what it is. Like, I feel like any of our empty time, it's just such a habit to like pick up your phone and scroll all the time. And like the days that I'm on my phone less, I feel better. Yeah. So the more that I have like a hobby or something to do, I feel better. I'm not overthinking. And I like hobbies where my hands are busy. Like cooking, reading. Like I have my Kindle. I can't like get on my phone. Like hobbies like that. So like I actually have to like check out and zone out. And those have helped me a ton. Because again, I'm not like, filling my like time and mind with like things that you're like comparing yourself now to social media, or even just like why you don't need to spend hours a day. I say that as like, I do, you know, depending on the day, but I personally feel better when I don't do that. So hobbies have been a huge thing too, on top of like my routines and habits that have made me like more confident, weirdly. I love that. I love that perspective. And so I wanted to say too, I like that you're able to recognize that it's things with your hands. I'm really similar to that too. I like doing things. I like setting myself up to be in a situation where I can't do the things that actually make me feel worse. But another thing I want to say is when I feel like people, at least I felt like this, where I was like stuck and I was like, nothing interests me, nothing this, nothing that. And the big thing is that what interests someone else might not interest you, but it's trying a bunch of random things to see what actually sparks your interest. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like even with working out, where I thought you had to like run to work out yeah. like for some reason. I hate. I, I hate not. Yeah. No way. I'll test it. Like every like three months, I'll try me to too. run a mile. And every time I'm like, I don't like this. No, Macy and I same. we keep going through phases. We're like, we're going to try to be a runner. And every time I hate it. But every time I try it again, I, I I'm know. hopeful. I'm one like, day, it's going to be me, though. OK, that was me with the olives for some reason. Like I would eat them every time I saw them, but I knew I hated them. And then one day I'm like, these are the, my favorite food now. So oh. maybe it will happen. Yeah, maybe. But I also like to like try to run sometimes to see if I ever needed to run away from someone, if I could do it. (laughs) So at the very least I'm like, okay, that's fine. But I thought that like to be a workout girly, I had to run. And then I was like, wait, I literally don't have to do that. I could try a hundred other workout classes. And so then I started doing that. And then I found I hate yoga, which I think I just don't, I like things that are mindless and I I don't know. I didn't like it. I went to dance class, I hated it. I couldn't do the steps, but I realized that I love strength training because it's very mindless. Like, I can do it and I don't have to be like, count. Like, my workout class, we don't usually have to count reps. Or if we do, I literally just stay at a position for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot to count. But I like things like that. And it's like the same thing with hobbies where someone might be like, oh, maybe they try cooking and they're like, this is overwhelming, this is hard. And then they try baking and they're like, oh, I love this. Or they try something else. And it's like finding, trying new things to actually find the things that you like or that you're interested in. And just if one thing doesn't work, it's like, oh, that's just not your thing and that's fine. It's just trying more and more and more. Like, my sister started trying to make jewelry as a hobby and i swear her basement she has a huge craft room and all of a sudden i don't know how much money she spent on beads her whole wall is like all these different bead options like she's like you want to make bracelets tonight and it's so funny because it's like the most random hobby but she loves it and it's something that like now anytime someone like gets engaged or married or it's someone's birthday we're like making them i know i can go make them like a handcrafted gift but it's fun right like just finding something that makes you feel good that then you can put your time and energy and effort into and take it away from those things that aren't serving you? I have two things to say about that. The first thing is a lot of, not all, but a lot of the things I feel like so often, we sit here and we're like, I have no idea what I even like, especially when you're at like a rock bottom place and it yeah. feels like your brain is just like mush. Go back to the things that you liked doing as a kid or the things that you wanted to do as a kid. And I have found so many things that I love doing now are the same, like I grew up reading Jenny B. Jones and Nancy Drew. Like that was, I was obsessed. And I'm like a cross between the two personalities. But a lot of the things I like doing as a kid are the things I like doing now. And then also, my friend TK, years ago, I've talked… I don't know why I always go back to this, but because it was clearly very helpful. We used to do like morning meetings like once a week and we would like talk about stuff and like whatever. In one week, we would give ourselves assignments and she was like, I want you to… I don't even know why. TK is just very like… Like, I like doing that. This, I always know? give people homework. I like that. Yeah. Like, see, I like homework. homework. Yeah. I was such, I was like that kid who like wanted homework. Like, I, I got extra homework because it's so embarrassing. Wait, I was the person that sat in the front and was like, I got taken in the hall and at, I was told you can only raise your hand twice a class in college. In college. I'm like, are you Stop. serious? She's That's like, crazy. If no one else raises their hand, I'll call on you. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Fine. But I'll, I'll be ready for you. I'm like, mm, okay, fine. That's crazy. No, they would like give me extra assignments in like elementary school. It's so Because I would like finish and then I like, I did an entire assignment on, the guy who killed Lee Harvey Oswald who killed JFK. I was talking about this last night. I was in second grade. I was free to roam the internet on that stuff. Isn't that crazy? That's, That's so, so inappropriate. Are but you curious. into criminal justice? Yes, but I was like, I mean, I think it's, I think the connection to JFK was because he was assassinated in Dallas. And so I was like really interested. Like you can, you drive over the place that he was shot like often. So I think that that's where it came from. But yes, I am. And I'm also just interested in American history in general. We have a lot of similarities. For some reason, I love American history. But then again, I don't even know when the 20s or 50s No, like I love American history. I'm not saying I'm like good at it. You know what I mean? okay. Like I'm interested though. Like any documentary, I'm there. I do know like decades a little bit. I do know decades like more. But I don't, but you know why I know decades? really big tangent because of American Girl doll because every doll had a decade. I was so obsessed with it. Kit Kittredge was mine. 30s, Great Depression. Like (laughs) I was, to this day, I mean, I'm not in school anymore but I tested better in that decade than any other decade for the rest of my life in school. Isn't that crazy? That's so funny. That makes so much sense though. It really does. Kit Kittredge. Anyways, the other thing I was going to say is, oh, the list. Okay, so throughout the week, this is another homework assignment. I've given this before I think on the podcast, but write a list of things that drain you and then things that recharge you. Oh, I love that. So when you're going throughout the week, it's like I've noticed like friends that I didn't even realize were draining me. I'm like, I don't feel good about after that or something I didn't even notice or something I wouldn't even maybe think to do again. That was so small. Because when you realize that things that refuel you, like we, we were talking about how we don't like motivation. It's all about discipline. But when you are disciplined and in your routine, you're constantly doing things that are refueling you. It combats being burnt out. I'm saying that now from a place where like, I actually do feel burnt out right now, but like no one's perfect. So I would make a list of things that recharge me. So things that recharge me, all of my hobbies, reading, cooking, hosting, my, my close friend group. I found now in the phase of life that I'm in, if I stay home all weekend because I think I need to recharge that way, that actually drains me more than if I were just like go hang out with my friends like because that refuels me more at this time. It changes throughout time. Like in LA, I needed to be away from all those people. Like it was just too much going on in order to recharge. That also helps. And I think it also helps if you are lost and you don't know what you want to do career-wise, hobby-wise, just like day-to-day. I think that list helps a ton. And you're not really leaning on emotions as much as you're just like getting to know yourself better. Okay, I feel like we're so similar, but I feel like you have so many answers that I've been like in this now stage in my life needing. I've never thought to make a list and that just blew my mind. And I'm gonna, literally gonna do that when I'm on my That's next crazy flight. Because we're both such no top girlies. Right? And I'm like, oh my God, because like you said, you're going through burnout. I feel like I just got over like the longest period of feeling so burnt out. So like, oh my God, like I, I went delusional and burned myself out. And I didn't get that bad again, but it was like, ah, uh, borderline. I'm like, no, I'm I'm gonna start hallucinating. I literally almost called the cops on my neighbor because I thought that they had someone like locked up in their house and I literally just hallucinated it. Wow. And then I was like, cause I studied criminal justice. I'm like, ah, they're yeah. just uh, nope. I'm like, wait, maybe I didn't hallucinate yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. thing. But I was just getting over my burnout. And now looking back at why I feel like I'm doing so much better is because I've started to realize like I've started spending way more time with my boyfriend, way more, and not to say like, oh, you got to, cause we would like not see each other for like 10 days. And I wouldn't text him back or talk to him. So it's yeah. not like crazy, I'm with him every day. It's like, I probably see him two times a week now, but it's yeah. way more than before. And I'm investing in like spending time with my nephew, who's three months, so yep. cute. And all these things that like, now I'm feeling so much better. Like all of a sudden I've been working on the downloadable of my version of my class for months. And now I'm like, wow, like I'm so excited about it. So like it's so much easier to show up for myself now that I have these other things that are also mm-hmm. happening. I'm an extreme person. So like if I like something, I can't just like it. I'm obsessed. Like I am like I need everyone to know like I'm just very extreme. So with work, when I talk about like I went through a really bad burnout thing, but I started doing this stuff when I was 16. Yeah. So I feel like I already did that where I was so burnt out and then I just started to like hate everything in my life. And then over time, I've just realized the things that I have to implement in order to like feel healthy. And also I will say like now living in Texas… It's a lot easier because like everyone here, people have jobs and they also have a life. Like they're also their own person. And in Los Angeles, especially in like what I'm doing, like what we're both doing, like you are your job. And so I was able to like separate them, which ended up making me a lot better at my job in quotes, because I was a happier person and I had interest. Whereas before I'm like, I had nothing to talk about anymore because I don't have anything that I'm interested in besides this, you know? So... It's just like finding things for me that has helped as like that refuel me in having, I don't really believe in balance because I think it's just, you have different priorities at different times. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, I think there's a time and place for everything, like where you're a lot less social. Like I didn't have a social life for years and I'm like, literally, I was social butterfly every single year. year, year but, book, you, know? you know. also look back to it and be like, that's why I was able to succeed. Exactly. So it is. And that's why I'm here now. So I'm grateful for it. But when I realized in that time, I did inevitably pick up unhealthy habits. I was able to fix those over time. And I am in like a good place now, but that's because I'm 10 years into it. You know what I mean? And I I love that though, because it's, that's such a great perspective. Oh my God. I literally love everything you say, but that balance isn't actually balance. It's not the same thing for everybody. It literally is always changing. And as you grow, you look back and learn so much more and then can reevaluate and then like keep evolving. Someone gave me this analogy too, and I'm really going to mess it up, but it was like a teaching in my college. And this girl came in who's actually an entrepreneur, and she's very successful and she came in and was explaining how balance actually hurts you because like if you think about like a scale when it's balanced like nothing's doing well you're you're just kind of like subpart everything because it's even it's balanced like nothing's shooting up you know yeah and it's like I actually agree with that like you because in everything you have to make sacrifices in order to have I mean I don't have a marriage I don't know how to have a healthy marriage you have to make sacrifices like you're gonna lose different things in different points in your life in order to make other things better. But I think that that is the point. Like over time, and all of those priorities will shift. Like we don't have kids, like we'll eventually, you know what I mean? Like yeah. But I don't think, I think living a life that is perfectly balanced actually holds you back. But when people are talking about balance, I do think they're more really more so talking about priorities and changing those versus like everything being in perfect balance. I think when everything is in perfect balance, you're never going to like move forward. I love that. That makes so much sense. I've never heard that analogy, but that's amazing. But Something I want to say. Okay, I always say this thing, and I, this is the way that my brain thinks: is I think in like yin and yang. How if you want something, there is an opposite to it. So like when I was building my businesses, which ultimately let me quit my nine to five, which like led me to own my second, like all these things. I would sit in bed on Friday night and be like, ah, like I'm kind of sad. I'm like, oh, like I want to hang out with my friends. I want to do this. I want to that. And I would tell myself that it's not time for that because. That that's the whatever the one the bad one is that's the bad aspect to tomorrow. I'm going to wake up and literally cre- like continue to build this life for myself. And so it's like sometimes we have those like moments that it makes it's like worth it. There's like a, mm-hmm. a balance to everything, but that balance obviously was not equal for me. It was like every second of my life was given to that, and there are bad moments for it. But it did the way that I was able to balance it in my head really really worked out for me. I yeah. like the aspect of yin and yang. That was me all of high school and college. Like I. So I isolated myself a lot, but it was good. I was like, I don't want to go out all the time. I don't want to go do this. And now I'm like queen of going out. I'm literally out all the time. But I also am not in college anymore. So it makes it easier. I had more time to open up. But I was like, I'm sacrificing now to then. Like I, I moved out of like high school early. I graduated early. I moved like I did a lot of things. I missed out on a lot of things because I like knew what I wanted to do, you know? That makes a lot of sense. And I like that you just said like isolating yourself because you know, okay, I always see these freaking graphics on Instagram that are like disappear for six months, disappear for one year. And I'm like, oh, you don't have to disappear. But when people want to change and grow something that kind of keeps you stuck is you stay in those friendships, you stay in those choices. Like your friends are going out every Friday and Saturday. And then because you're stuck in those choices, it's like, you justify, oh, I have to go out or I want to have friends or all these things. And I think there is a level to isolating yourself to a degree Agreed. where you're like, okay. Because you're separating I'm, yourself. Yes, I'm focusing on me and those choices aren't the choices that I want to make for my life, which I think is so interesting with friendships, which, oh, this, oh my God. In my episode, I had this thought that I wanted to bring up to you that you said it, and it finally just came back to me. But you were talking about how cutting friends off or like separating yourself from friends. And then you were saying like, oh, it's like harder to isolate or like you're 100, zero to hundred like in with the friendships I have a really easy time ending a friendship because what I realize is that like if I want a life the five people closest to you dictate like who you become and if I see these qualities that I no longer want in a friend and I'm not like oh but I'll never talk to you again it's like I have to think like who is that going to help me become who I want to be or is it not and what's so interesting is any time that I've done that in my life I've taken out time for those people. And I've replaced it with time with people who have made like drastic changes to my entire world. So I think wait, now to loop back, the isolating aspect is so important to a degree to know that you need to choose you and your choices in your life and separate your choices from someone else's life because what they might be doing or what they want for their life really isn't the same that you might want or the direction that you wanna go. And so separating yourself is gonna help so much to actually achieve that, to set yourself up for success. Because like to make a change, you have to do different things. And so maybe you are in a period where you're going out and doing other things. And that's good. And that's what you need then. And then it switches. What I will say about friends. I said earlier how it's really hard for me to like end friendships. It is hard for me to like cut someone off completely. But I'm so like specific with who is the closest to me. That it's pretty rare that they get to those spots. And then when they do, it is hard. But like normally when I'm like, oh, it's hard. It's like they're… Friends, but they're not like my best friend. Like they're yeah. just like a close friend. So I, the other issues, I'm like, well, they're not with me all the time, but it's still on me. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. weighing on me. So I'm like, I need to be, I mean, I feel like I have gotten better about it. I have in the past couple of years, like definitely done that, but it's just hard. Like, you know. it's a tough thing. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we've been talking for a while. This has been an incredible episode. Thank you I so much for coming on. You. Like I, I, so good. I feel like I've learned so much. I literally I could talk to you for hours. No, we had we recorded such a good episode. Also, this is a swap. I feel like I've already said that a bunch of times. So if you listen to this episode, you really go need to go listen to the other episode because we reference a lot. And, and it'll make sense what we were talking about. You know, maybe listen to that one first and then this one. But yeah, where can they find you? I'm on TikTok, Instagram, I teach healthy habits and routines across all platforms. My username's ShelbySacco5. And then I also have my podcast, which is Sad to Savage, where I focus on habits and routines. Yay. Thank you for coming on. This is a great episode. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Yay. I loved it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a fabulous Thursday. Don't forget to follow Shelby on everything. Go listen to her podcast if you guys like this one. I will be on there shortly. Love you guys so much. And I will talk to you next Thursday.